This is the Persons of Interest podcast, diving into careers, personal stories, life lessons, and more, featuring interviews with interesting people doing interesting things. And now, here's your host, Derek Dockett. The Persons of Interest podcast back for another episode. I always say I'm excited to do uh, these interviews, uh, most because I'm getting to know people. Um, some I've met uh, in a past life, some I've met uh, on a more frequent basis. Uh, this one, a guy I first ran into in 2010 when I first start, started doing uh, helping out with the TV broadcast for the Missouri Valley Conference. And he would be one of those uh, stagehands or helping out with the broadcast whenever we would go down to Missouri State. It's always fun to talk to another fellow Missouri State alum as well, because we can always trade some stories and I can get some insight about what's going on in Springfield, which is what I hope to do in this podcast episode. Uh, pleased to be joined by Corey Riggs down in Springfield, Missouri. Corey, how are you doing, friend? Derek, I'm doing great, man. Thank you for the invite. And uh, it is uh, always nice to uh, catch up with another Missouri State alum. And uh, it's definitely somebody that's uh, been through the uh, fun Valley battle uh, <laughs> on the TV side, because uh, there's some interesting stories that go on behind the scenes there, too. The, the one that comes to mind, I definitely remember, I don't know what my first game was in Springfield doing for TV. I can't remember if it was Niles or ESPN2 or whatever it was, mm -hmm. uh, but sitting courtside. And I just remember there's just being haywire in the truck and I'm hearing everything. And I think you might have been helping uh, the broadcasters with state. So for folks that don't know, when they're doing the reads for promos and all the other things, they don't know all that top their head. There's a couple of folks that sit courtside with them that do stats, that do all these other things. You were one of the folks that were there with uh, myself and another Valley staffer. And I just remember Haywire for some reason in the truck that day. I don't know why I just remember it just being one of those more chaotic games, but um, those are days I will never ever, it's grateful for the experience because I had no idea when you sit there and you do those types of things uh, on the headset and you hear production saying, you know, all the things going on, going to commercial, getting the on-screen graphics there. As a college basketball fan, first and foremost, um, I have a new appreciation for for how it works. Uh, but I know that's just one thing that sort of you've got the skill set of, of doing those types of things for production, for TV and assisting, not only in that behind off the microphone, but also behind the microphone. Um, and the first thing I wanted to ask you have to be one of the most flexible and I guess you don't mind jumping in wherever it is. And I say that because last year, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, it might've been one of your busier years with what, what was going on with our dear friend, Art Haynes. And I just listened to Wyatt Wheeler's podcast with Art, who, man, what a story. He's coming back and it's going to be doing some home games for Missouri State for football that's right. And, and basketball, which is awesome to hear, but you were doing pretty much all the games. I mean, I'm remembering listening to Evansville when I was taking my mom to the grocery store on the road. I'm like, man, I think this might be Corey's busiest year. In addition to also helping out with Lady Bears, soccer, 
I mean, without a doubt, it was, uh, I mean, understand that I've been in the business for 25 years now since graduating from Missouri State. Uh, I've worked at Mediacom, the cable company here in Springfield that entire time. I interned here as a college student. They offered me a job right out of college. And this has been my professional home, the only professional home I've known as an adult full time. But you and I both know how this industry works. And a lot of people, uh, friends of ours like Scott Warman and, mm-hmm. and other people, you kind of got to piece together that career with you got a little bit of work over here, a little yep. bit of work over there. So I work full time at Mediacom and I produce, I direct, I announce for them. Uh, but then uh, when the advent of ESPN3, ESPN Plus and the Valley on ESPN came around, that's now been about eight years. Uh, I was one of the first talent used on that here locally covering Missouri State. And shortly after my first year of that is when Art first reached out to me about saying, hey, we're, we're thinking about adding a, a studio host to our pregame and halftime and postgame show. And, you know, everybody listens to Art as the studio host for the Kansas City Chiefs radio network. And, and he asked if I would be interested in kind of filling that role for his broadcast. And I jumped at the opportunity. I'm like, yo, do, oh, yeah, don't ask. I, I didn't ask about how much they were going to pay me. <laughs> anything. I'm just like, yeah, let's go. Uh, let's do this. I'm like, it's working with Art Haynes. It's covering my alma mater, Missouri State. What, what could be better? Uh, and then after a couple of years of doing the studio stuff, you know, Art's incredible. But the one thing Art can't do is be in two places. At right. Once. <laughs> and so there's this bleed over from the end of the college football season to the start of college basketball season. There's this bleed over from the end of college basketball season to the start of the college baseball yeah. season. And on top of that, Art has these Chiefs games that he's got to be a part. So about six or seven years ago, he had asked me to start kind of filling in for him. And so I would get opportunities to do a, a basketball game here, a football game there. Nothing like what we experienced last year when he was stricken with West Nile virus. So from week three of the college football season, when the Bears nearly upset the Arkansas Razorbacks down in Fayetteville, that was a game, the last game that Art would call, and Missouri State still had the lead in the fourth quarter yeah. before eventually they succumbed to the, the SEC powerhouse. Uh, but uh, but Art didn't do another game after that. Missouri State and Learfield came to me and said, Corey, uh, we need somebody to cover the football game next week. We don't know when Art's going to return. Would you help us out? And it went from one game to two games to the rest of the season to Don West and I kind of splitting the duties during basketball season. And then as baseball season and uh, uh, the year for Coach Keith Gutton started, Don finished up basketball. I took baseball and went on from there. And uh, uh, while I had sat in for art on occasion over the last six or seven years, I'd never, I've never done that many games in a single season ever uh, in my professional career. And I don't think I've ever been in as pressure filled a situation, putting that headset on every week, because it wasn't just doing a job last year. It was filling in for a legend. It was trying to keep people updated on how he was doing with each broadcast. And sometimes that was good news and sometimes it was not good news. Uh, and it's by far been the hardest thing I've done professionally in my career 
but it was also the most rewarding because uh, getting getting to fill in for somebody that I consider a friend and a mentor uh, in his hour of need, uh, like it was for last year, uh, I wouldn't have wanted anybody else to do it. I was honored to do it. Well, you did a fantastic job at it. Um, I'm usually, you know, completely transparent. I'm using an ESPN3 ESPN plus viewer. I think most folks know that just from my Twitter activity of <laughs> capturing videos and gifts. Um, but I, when I heard the news that, that why I tweeted, um, a couple weeks ago when Missouri state had their sneaker soiree fundraiser for athletics, that he was going to be back at least for, um, home games. I was ecstatic. I'm like, man, I've always loved art. Um, as a, as a student, my part-time job in college was driving around town, picking up mail and listening to sports talk. Oh yeah. Uh, during that. And so that was like, just the way he handled himself, you just grew an appreciation for him, for him. And then He's, when I got to the Valley, um, actually getting to know him, like tell him, Hey, I'm just so you know, this is who I am. And he's, it's been a first name basis ever since then. And that's the kind of guy that he is. So a new appreciation for his work on the air. Not, not that I didn't have an appreciation for it, but man, it's so going to be exciting to hear him back. Um, and definitely want to, um, encourage everyone to be able to take in those opportunities to hear him. But, um, you, like I said, you were a busy guy. And I think one thing you didn't even mention, you also called soccer too. Like, like you, yeah, you, yeah. Is there something I, you I, didn't I was, I was still doing, I was still doing stuff on ESPN three and ESPN plus, as far as men's and women's soccer at Missouri state, uh, I dropped in and did, uh, some play by play on lady bears games on yeah, ESPN. I was say, yeah. Um, I stepped away for the first time in 12 years from state championships. Okay. Uh, Jim Powers brought me in uh, with the Misha guys over a decade ago, and I've consistently called state championship football, basketball, baseball, but really kind of had to walk away from some of that stuff and and just focus on the full-time job and then trying to fill in for art. But yeah, yeah. Got an opportunity to even do some uh, Valley uh, postseason soccer last year. Was really honored. Uh, it just means the world to me that that in a pinch, Jack Watkins would reach out and, and give me an opportunity like that. Just like our relationship. I've known Jack for a long time through the Valley, through Missouri State. Uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things, one of the, the descriptors that I can give when it comes to the Valley is they are loyal. Uh, yeah. They are loyal to their people, and that included in that group is talent, uh, as far as their on-air people. And uh, it's a hard, it's a hard fraternity sorority to join. Uh, it's very exclusive, uh, so to even get the opportunity to do it on a fill-in basis uh, meant the world that Jack would call and, and trust me with that. Yeah, yeah, and and it, it, you're you're right. It, it means a lot to have those opportunities. So. Um, to hear you say that it definitely reinforces it because I've heard several others uh, echo the same the same sentiment. So, um, what's tougher to do, the studio work or the play by play? Because I feel you got to be ready, you got to be able to have useful information when you're doing the halftime, the post game, the pregame, the the breaks. But at the same time, describing the action is also not easy. I mean, I've never done either one, but I'm just curious. Like, uh, it's it it's. It's different in uh, this much. Uh, I would say the big difference falls in. So with play-by-play, uh, 90% of, I feel, the work is done in preparation. It's making sure you get the names and numbers down. Make sure 
for the love of Pete, make sure you've got the pronunciations right. Yes. I mean, like, and, 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 and if you had one job in broadcasting, it's not butcher the kid's name. And I've done it. Like, heavens knows Evansville has thrown some curveballs at people in men's basketball over the years. Miscavige's. Might, might as well be called, <laughs> you know, Eastern European hockey with some of the names <laughs> they bring in for the Purple Aces. But but the play-by-play or the color, a lot of that is in, in your prep. Uh, it's in getting ready for the broadcast. It's doing the work, watching video before you get to the game. And then everything in the game is 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 kind of reactionary, you know, describe what you see. When I talk to to college or high school classes about broadcasting, I I I talk about clarify, amplify, don't intrude. I don't know who I stole that from, but I heard it years ago and I thought it's a great sort of one-liner stamp of what the job of doing play-by-play is. Clarify the moment, explain the moment, amplify, lift it up, make it a big deal. Don't intrude don't stand on it. Don't talk over a moment at times. You know, radio being different than TV. Radio, you've got to tell people what yeah, you're seeing because you're their eyes. Television, when there's a dog pile on the pitcher's mound at Hammond's Field because the Bears have won another Valley Tournament title, you can lay out and not say anything. Yep. Uh, but as far as the studio work goes, the studio work, you're saying a lot less, but you're having to work a lot more in the game because like clipping highlights uh, for a, the halftime show, you're working the entire first half and you may get to four or five highlights and think, oh, here's my halftime show. And then, you know, the the Illinois State quarterback drops back and unloads a 90-yard bomb that goes to the house. You're like, well, nope, got to drop this one. Got to slide that one in. Now that one trumps everything else. Uh, and so, so that's kind of constant work in the moment, whereas I feel like the play-by-play is really a lot about how you prepare for that broadcast. Okay. Another one for you. Which one do you enjoy more, radio or TV? Oh. Not not difficulty, but which one do you enjoy? Because like you just said, they're different. Radio, you're, you've got to describe what you're seeing. TV, yeah. you can lay out and you can let it breathe, quote unquote, and let, yeah. the, let the viewers take it in. Which one do you enjoy doing, though? I'm gonna I, I'm I'm gonna go really deep into the weeds uh, with this one, and, and I'll explain it as I go. I have different sports that I prefer to do on radio. Okay, sports that I prefer to do on TV. First and foremost, and I think it may be because of my age, how I was brought up, whatever. Baseball on the radio is sacred to me. I get that. I'm one of those people that if I'm driving during the baseball season and I've got to make a three-hour road trip up to St. Louis or to Kansas City from Springfield, I will listen to any baseball game. Doesn't have to be a Cardinals game. Doesn't have to be a Royals game. I'll I'll, I'll listen to Red Sox-Yankees if I can listen to baseball in the car. Best way to pass time on a road trip. Uh, And so baseball and radio, I think, are, are, are sacred. I like them together. Now, I love doing football on the radio. But football now, so much of it is, it's a slower pace than baseball or basketball. You've got all these dead spots. So for me, for ease, I like football on television because there's a flow to it. If I'm the play-by-play announcer and you're my analyst, I describe the action. The action stops. The replay starts to show what just happened. You jump in. You explain that. The left guard and the left tackle pulled 
from one side of the line to the other. They paved the road for the fullback that ran off the right side. And that's how they got a five-yard gain. And there's kind of a, a rhythmic pattern to TV. You don't really get that in radio for football. You can recreate it if you've got a monitor in the booth. Yeah. You can kind of cheat and piggyback off the TV folks and, and do it that way. But, uh, but yeah, I would say, I was say for me, baseball, I love on the radio football. I probably lean more toward TV, uh, basketball. I, I can go either way. Uh, uh, having instant replay is a big help, but the, the speed of basketball is so different than the other two sports. I I really like doing it on the radio. I one of the things I worked on really hard last year, Derek, and as as Art was improving his health and he was up in the rehab centers in Nebraska, I would reach out to him from time to time and say, Hey, did you catch this game? What did you think? What can I be working on? Because even though I'm 48 years old and I've been in the industry for 25 years, you can always get better. There's right. always things that can be tweaked. And I would ask him. And one of the only things he gave me at any point in time during the season was a was just a very brief comment about location on the floor. And so I really spent okay. the next couple of games trying to make sure I was weaving in, not that it was just a jump shot or not that it was just a jump shot from the left wing, but whether it was the elbow, whether there was a foot in the paint, whether he was a, a step behind the three-point line, were his toes on the three-point line just trying to paint that word picture a little bit more with exactly where they are on the floor, which channel they're bringing the ball up. Are they bringing the ball back up right through the middle of center court? Are they bringing it up the near side, up the far side, uh, and and trying to help to where, you know, the, 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 the thing that's beautiful about radio is when it's being done well, you close your eyes and you can see yeah. what they're talking about. And that's that's the goal. That's what you're shooting for. At least that's what I'm shooting for each time out. So I had a reason for asking it because you doing Missouri State football last year um, and actually in, in years prior since the advent of the ESPN3, ESPN Plus, now, like you mentioned, the, that created more opportunities because you got all these games going on. Um, there's so many. I looked at today as college soccer, women's soccer gets started across the country. And it's pretty much the sign that we're back for, for college sports. Um, but I was remembering that you had your very own viral moment oh. in Missouri State football. Yeah. But no, I, I thought it was great. It was, it was funny. Now, it, it wasn't really more about you because it was, you know, the, the, the play itself, but your reaction <laughs> to the play, which is, you know, a kickoff, you know, it's a basic... Nothing that you, it wasn't even a scoring play, but the, the return wasn't much <laughs> about five yards for Siali Suliafu. Who, they couldn't take him down though. No, no, they, they <laughs> couldn't. And, uh, you know, I always, uh, I draw, when I'm on the microphone, I draw from my life and, and a big part of my life is my family. Uh, my, you know, I've got an 18 year old son, Carter. He and I do a ton of stuff together. He's my best buddy. And one of his uh, one of his joys in life is he is a huge fan of WWE. He is a huge professional wrestling fan, and uh, that light bulb just went <laughs> off in that moment where here is this Tongan monster, this Siali Suliafu, who is the up man on a kickoff return. And they kick it short; it falls to him. 
and he comes right back up the middle and there are guys tackling him around his ankles. There's guys tackling him around his knees. There's guys hitting him in the chest and bouncing off of it. And it made me think of like the undertaker in a Royal rumble. Like guys were trying to knock him down, but no matter how many they threw at him, he wasn't going anywhere. And I, I think the two funniest things about that clip were one, the fact that my voice went to an odd, <laughs> I have not hit since puberty. Uh, and the fact that, that I mentioned the WWE and that it, it, it looked like a WWE event. And, uh, I had no idea that that clip would end up being played millions <laughs> of times on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. But uh, I can guarantee you this. I will remember Siali Suliafu's name for the rest of my life for that one unique viral moment that he and I share. That's awesome. That's one of my favorite moments, even though last season... Uh, wasn't as great as the season before, but that moment stands out of of the the Bobby Petrino era, I guess, yeah. as one yeah, of the more fun ahead. ones. Forget the fact that Bobby Petrino ended a thirty year playoff. Yeah, I say, forget uh, the playoff. Forget <laughs> the fact that he got the Bears a share of the Missouri Valley yep. title in his first year, and then went to the playoffs two out of three years. But but that Seattle certainly off the kickoff return. You know, the funny thing about that, Derek, is there ended up he got another opportunity at one. Yeah later in the season and I wanted to sell out and, and go crazy on it again, but it just wasn't the same. There yeah. was, there's no way to recreate a moment like that. Cause it was literally like I was in the booth and I could see Wyatt Wheeler <laughs> to my right. But like, it's, our it's, it's not quite the same this time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of football, we're, we're gearing up for another season of college football. That's fast rapidly approaching um i know you keep track on everything there with your tv work i'm curious i'm i'm a little bit at a distance here in st louis don't get a ton of football coverage specifically missouri state but i watch and i try to get what i can thanks to social media the missouri state's been doing a fantastic job this year with a uh, a series giving us an inside look specifically from the coaches from new head coach yeah from from ryan beard um and Hey, that's awesome. Like, let, I want to publicly say that's something that's, you know, we don't see often from teams at this level. And to hear from the coaches to take time to sit down and talk about how the team's developing in the preseason, how they're gearing up and, and figuring things out. But B, as a new coach, like, you think you want to be more focused, but I know it's a recruiting tool. I get why they're doing it. And it's a new vision for the program and things like that. But I'm curious from your standpoint, um, as the season uh, gets ready to get started here, uh, what can you tell us? It's, it's you know, going to have new looks in a lot of different places, including quarterback, including head coach. Um, but what have you seen when you've been keeping tabs on, on, on the team as they get ready for the 2023 season? Well, you know, everybody wants to talk about quarterbacks. You know, it's it's the sexy position that everybody, you know, latches on to. Jason Shelley was amazing. Uh, one of the best to lace it up here at Missouri State was an incredible dual threat player. Uh, you know, after stops at Utah State and Utah to come to Springfield and do what he did in a couple of brief seasons was really impressive. It's big shoes to fill. Uh, whoever's going to fill that spot is not going to be anything like Jason right, Shelley. Right. Every quarterback that they have in camp, one through four on the depth chart, are traditional, tall, okay. Pocket passers. Uh, not saying that they can't get outside the pocket and run, just saying it's the, the percent 
fans aren't going to be there like they were with Jason. Um, I was at practice yesterday. Uh, Coach Beard, nice enough to to open up practice uh, to somebody like me and just let me come and sit in the stands and watch for a little while. Um, my initial thoughts, wide receiving core is really deep. A uh, lot of lot of tools. Uh, Going to have to throw the ball a lot to keep everybody happy. Uh, but that's modern football. Uh, we're going to throw the ball a lot. With that being said, there are at least three very talented running backs on this roster that could help Missouri State do something this year that they did not do last year, which is control the clock, control time of possession. And I think that's important, especially for a brand new head coach. Uh, to be able to have a bell cow, a workhorse running back that you can slow the game down with and maybe not get rushed into making bad decisions. Uh, Jacardier Wright was a transfer from Kansas State. He was good last year. Second team, all-conference preseason pick this year. He's going to get the bulk of the carries to start. Selden Manning is a versatile back that can line up either with Jacardier or spell Jacardier. I think Selden is the better pass-receiving running option, uh, but he can run between the tackles. He can run a wheel route out of the backfield, line up in the slot. He's very good. And then they've got a freshman named Bex. And the first thing that I noticed when he got his touches yesterday was just how much speed this young man has. I think it was a laser-timed 10.7 100-yard dash uh, at his high school in Texas. Uh he is, I, I use the phrase a lot of times, he's Jimmy Johns. He's freaky fast. Okay. Uh, so this kid's got wheels. They had him out there for some kickoff returns. I got very excited about that because not only is he fast, looks good on kickoff return team, but he's wearing number five. That was Montre Braswell's number last year. And every time Montre Braswell got in the kickoff game, people usually had to kick away from him. Yeah. He, had, he was good for at least one or two kickoff returns for touchdowns every season. Uh, so he's wearing Braswell's number, so that's good, and they've got a lot of speed there. The defense played with a lot of passion. There was a lot of pushing, a lot of shoving, a lot of guys lifting one another up when the defense, when it was ones versus ones yesterday in practice, and the defense was getting over on the offense, they were letting you hear it. And remember, Ryan Beard, 34 years old, first-year head coach, and he's been the Bears' defensive coordinator for the last three years. He's still going to be calling the defensive plays, even though he has two co-coordinators on the defensive side of the ball. He still wants to be involved in the play call. Okay. He's going to be doing that for a while. So it'll be interesting to see how he does that and how Nick Petrino kind of grows now without dad here uh, because Nick has been the Bears offensive coordinator for the three years since the Petrino family came to Southwest Missouri. Okay. He's had the opportunity to call plays, but Bobby had always been there. Right. Now this is just Nick, and and I'm very excited to see what sort of style he brings and how I think it'll be a lot of the stuff that we've seen these first couple of years, but now with his own tweak and, and spin on it, and I'm excited to see what the offense looks like under Nick Petrino. Quick question. It sounds like, I think I know the answer to this, but Sounds like they haven't tipped their hand on quarterback yet. They're still letting that play out, correct? No, no. And I'll tell you what, after seeing it yesterday, uh, you know, Jacob Clark was running with the ones, Pichot with the twos, Brewster with the threes. 
Derek, that the gap between one and two and the gap between two and three is negligible. Okay. Uh, there, there were times you could have easily said that the number, the number two guy might be the number one guy. The number one guy might be three, two. I mean, it's really close. It's not coach speak. They've got a legitimate battle for quarterback going on three weeks into training camp. For those uh, not aware, the Bears were picked eighth in the 12 team, the now 12 team Missouri yes. Valley Football Conference with Missouri, uh, Murray State, excuse me, uh, added to the mix. So South Dakota State, North Dakota State, you know, they just, that's what they do in the Dakotas for some reason is keep winning this league. Uh, picked at one and two, South Dakota one, North Dakota two. Northern Iowa, followed by North Dakota, Southern Illinois, Youngstown, Illinois State, the Bears at eight, and then South Dakota, Indiana State, Murray State, and Western Illinois, uh, who will be in their last year in the Valley. So it'll go back to an 11-team league when Western uh, departs after this year. And, but of course, get- Missouri State gets to make one more trip to Matoko in their farewell season. We couldn't have got the Leathernecks here in Springfield for their final season. We'll go back to Macomb. One more time, everybody's favorite style on the Valley Road. I was going to say, I'll just say this. As someone who's been there as well, uh, <laughs> if you haven't been to Macomb, got nothing against West Illinois, but uh, it's not a trip that many people um, look forward to. I'll just put it that way. I'm, uh, I'm going to tell you right now, Derek, <laughs> if, if later in the season, Art is feeling up to make road trips, I'm still probably going to be the one. <laughs> No, that, that's all you have to say. That's a good way of putting it. That's a good way of putting it. Uh, switching gears to basketball before I let you go. Um, I got a chance to listen to uh, the Missouri Valley's uh, summer coaches call and heard you on there asking some questions of Coach Dana Ford. Um, this year could be a little bit interesting because um, last year, I think everyone would agree that the Bears sort of struggled they, a complete roster of turnover let's just get that out there complete um and you had, never you had really few players back from the previous season right and everybody else was either a freshman or moved in through the transfer board and it showed um never yeah. really could sort of um hone in together but this year not as much not that everyone's pretty much back and um you would think there would be a step taken forward there uh, but compared with the rest of the valley who knows it's going to be interesting where this team's picked uh, I think they should be upper division, but, you know, all things considered, we all know Missouri Valley Conference basketball, it is a rough go of it. Um, there's always a team that, you know, is picked low and finishes high. There's always a team that's picked high and finishes low, and then you've got your tweeners. Um, what do you think from from what you've heard uh, down there? I know I've seen um, feedback from from folks that have been checking out summer workouts I don't know if you can always take that stuff in serious consideration. You just want to get a sort of a view of what the guys are capable of uh, individually. You don't really know what, you know, cohesiveness they have quite yet. But what do you know of the Bears and what Dana's been speaking about uh, down in the community in Springfield for the upcoming year? Well, I mean, first things first, uh, there is a lot of excitement from the coaching staff insofar as the fact that everybody, for the most part, is coming back. So a stark contrast to what they had to experience last season. Um, A lot more known commodities. And then the big thing, and this has kind of been the Achilles heel, if you will, of Dana's tenure here at Missouri State, has been never been able to keep a point guard healthy. Yeah. Oh, my God. And last year it was you bring in Matthew Lee, who's got this incredible pedigree, who with his previous team had been in the NCAA tournament, was a proven leader, 
You get him out on the floor with the Bears, and a couple of games into the season, he has a season-ending injury, and he blows his knee, and he's done. Uh, So he rehabs. He's back. They feel like they should have him in time for the start of the non-conference schedule. Um, There was a lot. I mean, Dana was using phrases when it came to Matthew, like, you know, another coach on the floor, a leader and everything else. And so not only did you have a completely new roster to deal with at the start of last season, you barely got a game or two in before you go to St. Mary's and the guy that you're expecting to be your floor general, expecting to be an extension of the coaching staff on the floor, can't go anymore. Um, So that was kind of crazy. I think a lot of people are excited about the fact that Donovan Clay could have left. Some people maybe think should have left but said, I want one more ride with these guys. Uh, I think there's more work that we can do. Uh, and, and I believe in Donovan Clay. I think he is one of the most versatile talents that Missouri State has put on the floor in a number of years. He can do so much. He can, he can be on the floor as a point forward, one of Coach Keltner's phrases that he'll throw out on the broadcast from time to time when Donnie brings the ball up. Uh, he can shoot, he can defend, uh, he's, he's a complete, you know, in baseball, we'd call him a five tool player, right? He's got everything. Uh, so excited that he wanted to come back for another year. Cause he could have grabbed that grad transfer and gone anywhere. Uh, but he elects to come back. Uh, this will be a fun team to watch. I agree with your assessment. I think they're probably preseason an upper third, uh, pick in the league. Uh, not the top pick in the league, but you know, somewhere I'm thinking maybe three, four, uh, somewhere around that spot. Uh, going to learn a lot about them in their MTE to start. They're going to go to Paradise Jam. A lot of good mid-major programs are going to be down in the Virgin Islands. Uh, so between that and a season opener at West Virginia, uh, albeit not against Coach Huggins, because obviously he's gone now, which yeah, was yeah. disappointing. I was really excited about the topic getting out there and uh, seeing Huggy Bear up close and personal, but uh, he gone. Uh, so uh, they'll take on uh, a new head coach and a new coaching staff there. The other thing about Missouri State is they did have some some movement on their coaching staff right. as well, bringing home a very familiar name to Southwest Missouri, that being Spoonhour. As Jay Spoonhour now joins Dana as kind of his top assistant. It's going to be... Uh... One to watch because I think there are opportunities. I'm glad you brought up Donovan Clay, um, his his return, because I'm remembering going into the start of last year, Dana being really high and thinking he would be not only a first-team all-conference player, but potentially going into the season, someone that would be in the running for player of the year. I think Absolutely. obviously everyone will look back that he didn't have that type of a year and I have a feeling his return, this is immediately what I thought of when I saw that he was coming back, is that it's sort of a redemption tour. And It's, if it's can, Larry Bird player of the year or bust, Derek. Yeah, if he can make the most of this year. Yeah, and if he does make the most of this year, as he goes, the Bears may go. So if he, if he has that type of a season, that opportunity may be there. Again, that's just my personal opinion. Uh, uh, um, look at it but we'll see like i said a, a lot to come of it but uh bears have west virginia to open the season or roberts uh you mentioned the virgin islands where they'll see florida gulf coast kent state possibly hampton um some other teams there south carolina state uh in springfield they'll go to middle tennessee 
Sam Houston makes a trip to Great Southern Bank Arena. I almost called it JQH, force of habit. <laughs> it happens to the best of us. Hey, and, and Tulsa back on the schedule. Yeah, Tulsa, I was going to say. Long time. Yeah, uh, that, 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 that's a, a series that goes back years. Life. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Bears will get Lindenwood down there. St. Mary's, that series continuing. So the non-conference schedule um, has some, some great opportunities there. If you can win, especially St. Mary's, um, West Virginia or Roberts was a, was a quality team last year. Uh, we'll oh, see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, before I let you go quick on the lady bears, because man, it's like the coaching changes don't matter. They still find ways to win games. And I, I bring them up and I always have to bring them up. A, they deserve the attention. They deserve the respect, but B my first foray into Missouri State athletics, um, what, and the pe- people may know this. I'm not sure if you know this story, but when I got down there, um, it was, hey, I'm going to go to this school in Springfield, Missouri. South. I think both of our degrees probably say Southwest Missouri State. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I get down there and had no idea of anything about athletics down there. Like, no clue. And I'm in um, my science lab class at the time, first first week of school, and you know, got a, a buddy who is a PE major and says, hey, you into sports? You know, when basketball season comes around, you should come hang out. We go to a lot of the sporting events. I'm like, all right. He, he's been here for a year. I'm like, all right, we'll, we'll go go do this. And November comes around. He invites me to go to a basketball game. I'm like, oh, I love basketball. Cool. Didn't mention that it was a Lady Bears game. Well, here's the thing, though. I had no idea. Walked in there. It was packed. This is 1997. So this is a young lady's freshman year by the name of Jackie Styles. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget this. I believe it was Illinois at at, at Hammond Student Center. So you don't see that in the men's side of the game where you get those no. schools from the larger conferences making the road trip. But the Lady Bears won that game, and it was an environment I had never, ever experienced before. Um, and it was fire for the next four years and one that still stands with me to this day. So I always love to give them the, the love, especially because like I just mentioned, it goes from Coach Mox to make several runs in the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16, and now Coach Cunningham. And they go and go above expectation, at least last year. It looks like they're just continuing to, to find the success. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, um, as she gets her footing in Springfield with the recruiting, getting the players that fit her system, they're just going to keep on rolling, I think. Well, it's it's going to be really exciting for me, Derek. One of my favorite times uh, at Missouri State and covering the Bears, you talk about the Jackie Styles years for the Lady Bears, which were obviously incredible. Some of my favorite years were the Barry Henson years for men's basketball when Barry's team was almost exclusively made up of stars from it's, right yeah. here in the Ozarks. When you had Devin Mitchell, yep. Shane and Spencer Laurie from Kickapoo all on the floor, Drew Richards from Logan Rogersville, Sam Singh from Ozark, all these great area players. And one of the first things I'm noticing about the Beth Cunningham era of Lady Bears basketball is he she has already got the top girls player out of high school last year, Cayman Beckmeyer out of Republic, uh, played for Chris Flood, a great girls basketball program here in Southwest Missouri. Cayman is committed. She's in camp. She's ready to become a Lady Bear. They went out and found Lacey Stokes, who was playing NAIA-level basketball and was like the player of the year in her league. She was from Mount Vernon, wanted to be a Lady Bear, wasn't a lot of interest when Mox was there, goes another route, plays a lower level, 
Now she's got an opportunity, Beth Cunningham bringing her on board. Uh, I, I think the world of what Coach Cunningham's doing, and it, it, it's all this incredible dynasty that they're just never a drop-off. From the moment Cheryl built it and walked it away, there have been incredible, talented women that have came in and run this program. Kelly Harper is yeah. amazing. Now she's back home at, at Tennessee. Coach Mox kept things rolling after Harper left, and now Beth Cunningham is here. Her pedigree is impeccable. She's a great basketball mind. And that was a completely different offense and defense last year that she installed for the Lady Bears. So big learning curve last year. You know what that's like when a coach comes in and changes everything. You know, we've talked a lot about football. The terminology and this stuff, even though Bobby Petrino's gone, nothing's really changing for Missouri State football. Everything changed. Yeah. for the Lady Bears basketball team. So they will be better this year. They've got an infusion of young talent. And, you know, the Valley isn't the Valley if the Lady Bears aren't on top of it. It just makes sense, right? It's just like you, just you can't have the Lady Bears in the bottom half, especially in this now new look, Missouri Valley. I keep mentioning that with just more teams. It's not 10, it's 12. Uh, but still, um, hey, Belmont brings a bit more to the table. That that We saw that last year. So uh, nice to have that upper, more more competition that hopefully – rises all tides in the league, uh, multiple bids and, and, uh, and all that fun stuff. So um, I'm, I'm a basketball guy. It's, it's been great to see the resurgence of Missouri State football. Hopefully that continues with Coach Beard. But um, basketball is near and dear to my heart. So I'm hoping that both teams uh, find their success on the court uh, this fall, winter, uh, going into uh, this new season. Um, Corey, this has been fun, man. I really appreciated that all the insight, talking about your toolbox and the uh, radio and TV uh, work. If you don't mind, sh share with the folks how they can connect with you on social media and reach out and follow you on, on all these fun platforms that we have in the world. No, I, I, I'm on some of them. I'm, I'm still <laughs> learning, Derek. I'm not as savvy at this stuff as, as you are. I'm like, I, I, You're I pretty active though. I used to be on Twitter at Corey Riggs TV, but am I on X now? Can I still, Oh yeah. I, I don't know how that works. I guess we, we call it I guess we call it X, but I'm looking here at my Twitter. It says, would you like to send a new tweet? And everything says tweet on it. But then you look at your mobile app and it says X and tweets are now posts. So at Corey Riggs TV, at, yeah. at whatever that platform is that works in real time and all that stuff. Yeah, mostly mostly <laughs> Twitter and Instagram. And I'm, I'm trying to get better about including threads now, but I'm, I'm still learning. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I'm, I'm, and ever since I don't have to be on social media for work, I'm just, I, I, it'll be a sad day if Twitter does go the way of the dodo bird. That's an old man saying. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> well, I get it. <laughs> Because if it does, I mean, that's that's my I, I said this on, on Twitter. That's my second screen sports viewing is Twitter, you know, pop up the Super Bowl and follow the hashtag with everybody who's watching the Super Bowl who's not in the stadium. It's just like ho hopefully it doesn't do that. But um, I know we stay connected that way. I love tagging you. And when I find gifts and video clips of yourself. So uh, this has been fun. I really appreciate you taking time and good luck with the work this season. Tell Art I said hello. You guys have some fun in the booth. Uh, this year and 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 just enjoy it. Enjoy that ride. We're we're going to September twenty third is going to be a day that will go down in history here in Southwest Missouri when Art Haynes climbs back into the booth at Plaster Stadium when the Bears take on Utah Tech. It's going to be a big deal, a big day, and I am just honored that I'm going to get to be the one that shares the booth with them for that return. It's it's going to mean a lot and. 
probably uh, uh, probably going to be able to look to my left to the TV booth, look to my right to the the print guys and the scoring guys, and uh, there's probably going to be some uh, not so dry eyes up there as he he gets back to work. I have a feeling it's going to be the same old art. After listening to Wyatt's podcast, he was uh, it, it didn't seem like he missed a step. He was having fun, joking around. So uh, really looking forward to him, and, and hopefully they give him something to jump out. And, and yell about like that uh, Illinois State buzzer beater was a few years ago. I would love to hear that art once again and the Bears give him a reason to Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Thanks again, sir. I appreciate it. I thank you for having me. It was a blast. Thanks for listening to this episode of Persons of Interest. This podcast is a personal project with the goal of sharing stories that might inspire others to create their own path. If you enjoyed this episode... Please leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast platform. If you have a guest suggestion, you can reach Derek on social media at ddocket. Thank you for listening to Persons of Interest.